Welcome into episode 38 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined once again by my friends Travis Graff and David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. Travis, what's going on, man? How are you? Just ready to get to this jam-packed Sources Say episode, Every you like to say. It's every time. Packed. Every time it's jam-packed. In fact, at the end of this episode, I promise you, I'm going to say we'll be back next We're week. We're busting at the seams I at the end of this episode. I promise you. David, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, and I can't wait. I'm just going to go ahead and, and get it out there. I am the mystery big man. Do you know what? I think I think that would be one heck of a scoop. I mean, you, you look at what you bring to the table and your just basketball knowledge. I mean, I think you'd be just the best locker room big man you could possibly ask for. I mean, Travis. Well, what about on the floor? Well, I, you know, that's that's to be determined. I think you're more of a locker room guy. But, Travis, what? Travis, I don't know. I'm, I'm growing since the quarantine. You know, I've probably put on. 15 pounds or yeah, so. It's, so it's good yeah. weight. Good, good, good yeah, weight. Yeah, yeah. Travis, give me your, your scouting name, report. The name I've heard thrown around is Agari Saline, <laughs> and apparently he's just like a monster down low. <laughs> he, is, he is trolling. All right, this is already off the rails. This is going to be a really fun episode because there is so much craziness and chaos going on in the world of Kentucky basketball, recruiting, Overseas, G League, everything in, on planet Earth is going on at the exact same time. We were going to try to record yesterday. We were going to have a special guest on. We're trying to get uh, Kentucky signee Davion Mintz on. He actually did an interview with David Sisk, and you know, you kind of stole the spotlight and got all the, the good words out, David. So thanks a lot for that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but we actually had him on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. So we're gonna, I think we're going to give it just a little bit more time, let it marinate a little bit, and then we'll have have him on the show but well we'll we'll get some more special guests on and 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 keep this train rolling but until then we have so much to discuss guys and we got to we we got to start the show by talking about this Terrence Clark mess and and just kind of how it all unfolded and and you know that that Tuesday afternoon going into the evening and then that Wednesday morning was about as crazy of a 12 to 15 hour period as we've seen in in Kentucky basketball recruiting slash just normal uh, you know around UK athletics in a long time so for to for to kind of paint the picture of of how it kind of the, the biggest story of it all is that Terrence Clark was being courted by um, none other than Rod Strickland, former UK assistant, who is now the you know on staff with the NBA. The NBA hired him to to be kind of a a, a recruiter of the of the G League and basically pitch to these kids why the G League option is better than going to college or overseas or. or any other uh, potential option. And the number that they threw out back in 2018 when the the contracts were originally set was $125,000. But due to the coronavirus and all this, they, they were planning on, on building on that salary for the next couple years. And because of that and the craziness, trying to get as much branding and, and exposure to this G League, they've started to ramp up that salary to as much as drumroll $500,000 for 17-year-old kids. Um, and Terrence Clark just so happened to be one of the kids that Rod Strickland was going after. So, Travis, we were talking all day long. We were trying to figure out how to, you know, what to say, how to, what to put out in the public and, and all that. So after the dust has settled on all this, kind of break down, 
you know, kind of what you were hearing as it was happening and, and just how crazy all of it was. Like you said, that this was something that was supposed to start in like 2021, 2022, but they bumped it up due to COVID-19 craziness going on. But yeah, what I'd heard is that the baseline pay, everybody thought, oh, 125000 is all the G League can make. No, that's the minimum. That's the that's what the veterans in the G League make. The guys that are more remarkable, like Jalen Green, Terrence Clark, um, McCurr Maker, Greg Brown, guys like that that have huge followings on social media that could be the next Kobe Bryant, next Kevin Garnett, and could be the next big shoe deal. They're going to get a lot more incentives. And what I heard is, like, the better the player, the more the money. Mm-hmm. Going up to $500,000. Plus, you get incentives. Like, you get, I've heard you get $50,000 for competing in the G League dunk contest. Just competing. I mean, that's an extra $50,000 in Jalen Green and Greg Brown's pocket yep. right there from the mm-hmm. uh, same for the three point contest. And then Darius Baisley got a, and he's, Average, he's an average basketball player. Got a one million dollar, I think it was a New Balance, yep, uh, shoe deal last year. So these guys, and he doesn't hold a candle to some of these guys, in my yep. opinion. And yeah. just the marketability of, and during a pandemic, if you throw five hundred thousand dollars with the possible incentives to make up to one point five two million range during a pandemic, and I'm seventeen, eighteen year old, uh, year old kid sheesh i mean it's a, that's what i'm saying it's yeah it's like you gotta think, <laughs> we selfishly want these kids to be in college yeah and we love college basketball and as and uk fans are the most outstanding fans in the world they're passionate so they want these players at kentucky at the same time tell them to go back and think logically of when they were 17 18 years old the thing now it's transitioned the mindset of the kids transitioned within the past 20 years or so because years ago like my my dad and i were talking about like years ago guys like magic johnson i'm just throwing out names guys like magic johnson michael jordan other players like that would stay in college for two three four years and i think about jamal mashburn and now it's like in and out like it's more they're more focused on the money than college kids don't care about college basketball nine times out of ten anymore but i will say this at the same time Kids need college basketball because let's say Zion Williams, uh, Zion Williamson, he had a huge following on Instagram and Twitter and was a household name as a high school basketball player. But what Duke and that platform did for him, like other platforms, like uh, college basketball on the platforms like Kentucky, North Carolina, UCLA, Kansas can do for a kid, it he made himself so much more money by going to college and how marketable he was. And he's just a house, he was a household name in every basketball fan's house last year. And if he went to the G League, he would have had to have NBA TV to watch him play. Yeah. So I kept seeing this this same comment going over again, like why is the NBA wanting to do this given the, the finance? You know, they're struggling to play to, to pay their own players right now, let alone potentially giving giving all this money to 17, 18-year-old kids. What are they thinking? And and oh, you got to think of it in, term, in terms of big picture. So look at the NBA salaries. And a vet minimum contract in the NBA right now is what one point four million dollars, one point five million dollars, and that is bottom of the barrel, you know, end of roster type players that rarely see any minutes at all. So we're talking about okay, say 
you spend five hundred thousand dollars on Jalen Green, you spend five hundred thousand dollars on McCur Maker, five hundred on Greg Brown, whatever. You go down the list, and they offer these contracts and all these incentives, and say, okay, if you do this, you do this, and you know, kind of build your brand up. You can get endorsements here and there. So, say two, three, four of them fail, and it's it's a it, it doesn't work out. The the cost of those four contracts is the equivalent of of like one and a half minimum you know you know vet minimum contracts it doesn't it, it it's a drop in the barrel for the nba but if a jalen green hits if you get a five hundred thousand you know if you spend five hundred thousand dollars and jalen green becomes a hundred million dollar player think about what that does for the nba and branding and saying and, and you're know, going back this is a league that that the nba has been trying to fund and, and revamp and kind of re-image they changed it to the g league a couple years back you know they're starting to stream more games online and on youtube and all of that they're using this as a marketing tool for them to say okay if we can hit on one of them or just kind of get some more eyes on these games or if they don't play in these games because that's also potentially on the table as well but if they can get them to watch a stupid G League dunk contest or a G League three point contest whatever they can because they are now professional athletes they can kind of you know experiment try new things with them and and, and build their exposure in in that way and you can look at guys like Jalen Green who who is you know part of the unicorn fam or whatever you know the, the James Wiseman you know those those guys are calling themselves the unicorn fam the guys like Josh Christopher have been branding themselves since they were 14 years old there's so much money to be made personally not even you know with this the contracts and all that but with just being able to profit off of their own name and likeness that in itself is it's 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 a game changer for these kids and that's why if you are in their shoes it, it's not just five hundred thousand dollars it's not just 300 whatever the exact number is it's 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 so much more based on the branding and the, the up the what they can make for themselves with their their own name like name and likeness david i know you you had your ear on the ground yesterday as well you were contacting a bunch of people about the process and all that what what did you learn yesterday about the 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 whole process and why these kids are are now gonna start you know jalen green by the time you guys listen to this, he will have already announced. Jonathan Gavoni earlier today confirmed the report that everybody's been talking about behind the scenes. Uh, Isaiah Todd announced on Tuesday. All, you go down the list; it's it's starting to happen more and more. Why do you think that is, and what did you what did you learn in your talks yesterday? Let me start out by saying, and, and I'm not going to do this, and, and unless we go to that route, but um, I, I could write a book about all this from the last 20 years from my involvement in, in AAU and when Nike started uh, uh, sponsoring AAU programs and started their stuff. I mean, I was, I, I was front and center in, in, in a lot of that, not, not necessarily making it go, but, but having a team and getting sponsorship, know, knowing what they were looking for, you know, this is kind of, this has been building for decades. And, and even now um, you, you go to like, for example, you know, last year, when if you'll remember last summer, um, the remember when they were go, in June, when they were going to go, they were having to certain regions, high school camps, you know, they were going to turn it back over to the high school coaches, but they were going to take out the top 100 kids. Do you remember that? Yes. And, and nationally, and that, that, that was just a whole money grab by the NBA, mm-hmm. you know, to, to seek out these kids. And, and, and the fear of AAU coaches 
for a long time is that they were going to take over summer basketball. And that, like I said, I can get into all that reasoning and, and, and really, I think, paint a picture and build it. But just to, uh, what you're talking about from yesterday, uh, kind of talking to some individuals, I spoke to a person who's really in the trenches with one of these uh, one of these players that they're singling out for uh, to bring into the G League. And uh, <clears throat> he told me that, he said, here's what it comes down to. There's, there's basically a dozen players, 10 to 12, that they're looking at, and they're going to offer between three and five hundred thousand dollars, but then you get endorsements, then you get shoe deals, and uh, actually they had planned in-home visits just like colleges would, and it was going to be Sharif Abdul Rahim, mm-hmm. who's the president of the G League, and Rod Strickland, who is um, uh, basically in charge of building that bridge from high school to the G League. So, and, and that got canceled with a lot of these guys, maybe all of them, I'm not sure, because of COVID-19. But, uh, you know, basically handling it the way a college would. So, like I said, now when you have top-tier guys from now on, where it's Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, you, know, you can put the G League and NBA right there with them. And uh, so so that that's pretty well been the case. And... Uh, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they're going well, just about all of them, like you said, they're going to go up to seven digits. And, you know, uh, they're, they're marketing right now. Jalen Green is the next Kobe Bryant. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of where all that's, you know, where all that's going. Now, Terrence Clark is the guy that, that I mean, literally took the, the Big Blue Nation, I mean, just kind of paused everything what we were doing and made us all refresh our phones and text as many people as we could. I mean, that, that Tuesday evening was about as wild as it gets. Um, Terrence, or, or Travis, not Terrence, I mean, I wish, wish, we, wish I was talking to Terrence right now, um, but Travis, oh, <laughs> you're, you're a close second, I promise you're a close second. Um, how close do you think he actually was to taking that G League contract? And what did you hear about kind of the, you know, the, the buildup of it and, and, and how, how he was approached about it and, and the, the staff's concern about it or concern or lack thereof? Yeah, I, I heard what night was that? All this is running together now. This was two nights ago. Um, I got a FaceTime from an individual that's really, really, really well connected with all this uh, that's going on right now. And he told me that Terrence Clark was not going to take the deal. He said that he said, quote, tell UK fans to relax. And then from my understanding is Terrence Clark didn't want to play with Jalen Green and Jalen Green had pretty much already uh, agreed to play in the G League, and you don't have to beat around the bush. That thing was that that thing has been signed for like several, yeah, several days yeah, now. That's that, that, that's a done deal. He signed, he signed he signed with the G League a couple days ago, <laughs> and so yeah. So like I said, Terrence Clark didn't want to play with Jalen Green, and at that time I posted that I strongly believe that Jalen will take the deal. You know, he had already signed that, but I wasn't going to put that out there. That ain't my place, right? Um, Said the better the player, the higher the offer. Uh, I said Thonmaker, but I meant McCurmaker, Isaiah Todd, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Greg Brown, Terrence Clark, and others that have been in, uh, will will be offered. They just offered uh, Dalen Terry. This is Dalen or Jalen? Isn't there two? Diff- 
like with the same name. Yeah. Harry. Yeah. The one that's going to Arizona just got offered. Um, but yeah, this guy told me Clark isn't going anywhere. BB needs to relax. And then during this time, I had people reaching out for me to UK. Like, what are you hearing about this? Like, not from like the staff, but people close to the program. And said, I, I said, I just had a person text me and say Clark is not leaving. So, so now people with, with and without UK ties have both said that. And this was about an hour later. So they told me about an hour after that FaceTime that he wasn't leaving. So I have a feeling Cal Perry was, I don't know if he was laying down the wall with Strickland behind the scenes or if he's just like, hey, man, come on. Like, chill. But <laughs> uh, they, they have a, I heard they have a great relationship with yeah. one another. It's no, no, like people are asking if there's bad blood there. That's not the case. Um, I, it's just a case of Rod Strickland doing his job. He's doing a really good job. At, like, he's got to get the most marketable players, and Terrence Clark's super marketable. And they're going after a certain type of player. And, yeah, so they're also – what I heard is that there's a good chance that these players won't even play any games. They're all going to be on the same team, apparently. They wouldn't play any games if they take this deal. That's the rumor. Uh, possible that they'll just train all year round, and then you get – Bonuses for the like we talked about the three point contest, the dunk contest, and it's it was I think Terrence Clark really mulled over the offer for a little bit. Yeah, and I think so. As of this week, so John Calipari said in a, in one of his recent press press, you know, he's been on this media tour where he's talked to everybody and their mother. Um, he said in in a couple of them that he's been doing these weekly updates with his with his players his upcoming player new new you know new players about okay how are you training how are you staying fit how are you conditioning are you running around the neighborhood blah 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 and as far as i'm as far as i know that meeting happened i believe Tuesday or so the this stuff came out Tuesday evening i believe that meeting happened monday afternoon where it was all positive. Terrence Clark was 100% typing up Kentucky and that it was that, you know, here's how I'm going to fit in, here's what number I want to wear, all that that kind of stuff. And the next day was when all this stuff kind of happened. And, and from what I know on UK's side, it was a fast-moving process of, okay, this stuff came out. We got to figure out who we got to call. We got to, you know, we called Rod Strickland. We got to call Terrence Clark. We, and they, you know, try to put this fire out before it gets out of hand. You know, try to try to convince them, okay, Think of the, think of the negative side of the G League and and, and the the sitting on the buses drive, you know driving from Des Moines to Fort Wayne to to you know Maine you know all these random you know random little drives and and trying to paint the picture of Kentucky is the best option for you for branding for exposure for you know being prepared for the NBA they they put their recruiting hats back on and completely revamped their their whole pitch and basically had to bring him back to back to Kentucky not that he was leaning away from from going but just trying to to avoid any potential mishaps and it, it you know it was a very quick moving process the Kentucky coaching staff felt really confident Throughout, you know, there was a, there was a time where they were like, "All right, maybe this is, you know, we gotta we gotta really step our games up and, and make sure that this isn't a big deal." But but the, you know, for the most part, there was cautious optimism the entire time that he was going to end up in Lexington, and that's what happened. He comes out on Tuesday or on Wednesday morning. It can't, all that stuff happened Tuesday evening. Wednesday morning, he comes out, says basically, "BBN, 
I, my my loyalty has never changed. I'm coming. Don't you worry. He's been liking and retweeting people and 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 trying to trying to make basically, um, you know, hype hype up his his addition to the Kentucky basketball program and, and all that. Um, do either of you think that there's any chance that this could linger into the summer or? That you know, Rod Strinkland comes back with a stronger offer, or do you think that the that the uh, the, the you know, oh, to be a fly on the wall in that conversation, by the way, between Rod Strickland and John Calipari, I'd love to hear that. But do you think? Let, let me say this before we go. I, I'm not buying it as much that it was a smooth process because, trust me, with all that money floating around, uh, money talks. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just not. When you've got seven digits floating out there, I am not convinced that that it was just, hey, I'm gonna make a phone call or two and we'll get this thing settled out and all that. I mean, he there was a reason he called Rod Strickland, and and also, uh, you know, he had to he had to smooth this thing out back with Clark, and I think they did a really good job of that. He knows how to go about it, but. Um, I, I, I think there, I think there had to be some really, really anxious moments there uh, Tuesday while this is going on. See, here's two things I want to add. There was definitely some anxiousness around the program. Mm-hmm. There, there were people that were just trying to put out fillers of like, "Hey, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? Like, what's going on? This, this, that, and the other." And then there, there were some frantic moments, like y'all said. And then another thing I was want to add is, you go to a place like Kentucky place like Duke, Louisville, Kansas, North Carolina, places with really, really, really passionate fan bases. And you succeed there, that fan base will carry you and prolong your NBA career more than a G League, uh, one season in the G League can. Because if let's say you, you, you're a mid-level exception guy, and UK, and UK fans, everybody knows how, how hard they are. And you NBA needs one roster spot filled, and marketing is a big thing in the NBA. Right. If you get a guy from Kentucky that like jersey sales are going to be um, probably eighty to hundred times more than a, a guy that they're choosing between this guy from Kentucky or this guy from Iowa State or someplace like that. Right. Nothing is Iowa State, but a smaller market. I and, know. Why are you hating on Iowa State? All right, so Hawaii <laughs> or something like that, but. Like that's gonna go into GMs and front office people's heads. Like this, like jersey sales gonna be through the roof more with this guy than the other guy. Um, we're gonna have more attention on our team because they're gonna be following this guy rather than that guy. I think that stuff does play a small. It's a very very small role, but it does play a role. So, do either of you think they're looking that- for the next guy though? And I'm I'm gonna go back just for a minute here. The most pressure I ever had, I think, coaching basketball was back in the mid-90s when, when I knew that there was a, a Nike sponsorship on the line. And George Raveling was over Nike at that time. And it was May of the year. I can't remember the year. It was mid-90s. There's a big tournament at Purdue. Had over, I think, had almost 200 teams in it. So we go play in it. George Raveling is staying in our hotel room. And I mean, our hotel, our hotel, when, when we get ready to leave and go down to the lobby, he's sitting there in the lobby every time. And he's at almost every one of our games. And I knew what was on the line and it was pressure. And I remember him saying, he, he sat down, he said, look, 
we're not worried about wins or losses. And when he said we, he was talking about Nike. And I think it goes the same way with the NBA because it's all about marketing stars. He said, we're looking for the next Michael Jordan. He said, if every year or two, three, four years, you can produce a player that could be a, a star in the NBA, you're in good shape. And that's what they were, that's what they were worried about. The, the Houston Hoops, in the long run, are more worried that, they're not more worried, but there's a bigger concern that Tyrese Maxey's a star in the NBA than there is their win-loss column because that's what keeps them afloat. And uh, I, I, the NBA is the same way. If you look at um, Aaron Torres had a, had a, a good story, great story, actually, uh, about where this started at two years ago and, and, and really got sped up. Like uh, you guys said, it was supposed to be 2022. When R.J. Hampton and LaMelo Ball went overseas, the, the gloves came off from Adam Silver. He said, we've got to stop this. We've got to keep these guys in the United States and and really have them under the NBA, not just the United States, but we've got to have them under the NBA umbrella because the NBA now is an international entity. But we've got to keep them under the NBA umbrella. So yeah. that, that, that really kind of sped this thing up and just, just put it in the space age, and I think that's where we're at now. So final final verdict on Terrence Clark. Are you either of you worried about him ultimately ending up in Lexington? Do you think that Rod Strickland gets a second push for for the future Wildcat? Travis. Uh, I think I think he ends up in Kentucky. I think I think this is all set in stone. And David. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think uh, that that probably got all handled Tuesday night. I, I'd be shocked if it didn't. Yeah, I think I think that conversation with Rod Strickland was a, you know, with all due respect, I appreciate what you're doing. I understand you have a job, but layoff. You know, I would honestly wouldn't be surprised if Calipari said, "Man, I appreciate what you're doing. We have a really good relationship." If I kind of get off feelings with with any any kids in, in recruitments moving forward, um, you know, in the next couple classes where I kind of think that this could be a possibility, I'm going to send him to you versus potentially let, letting him land at any other you know school or you know whatever. That I, I wonder if he kind of worked that into the deal as a. I'll scratch your back if you if you scratch mine in this instance. Let me have Terrence Clark. We need him. I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of the conversation at all. But, yeah, I agree. I think he ends up in Lexington, and I think he's going to be a, a very special player. I think between – you know, I think the duo of B.J. Boss and Terrence Clark is going to be one of the best we've seen in Lexington under Calipari up there with De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monks and, and Jamal Murray and, and Tyler Ulysses of the world. I think it's going to be that level of, of duo. They're going to put up a ton of points, and Kentucky fans should definitely be excited about them. Um, in terms of a little bit of negative news that came out yesterday after the the you know the Terrence Clark stuff happened, EJ Montgomery puts his name in the NBA draft, gives Kentucky five players officially uh, putting their names in and signing with agents in the in the draft. Um, so we've kind of been back and forth a little bit. There was a time of of pretty solid. So I've, on this show, I've said in the past mid mid season going into the year. The Kentucky coaching staff was operating under the assumption that UK was losing all three of Nate Sestina to the graduation and Nick Richards and EJ Montgomery to the NBA draft. EJ came back this past year with the mindset of, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get me to the league after this season. They thought that that was going to happen. I've said that several times on this show. 
in the months you know, middle of the season as we were approaching the end of the season when Nick Richards kind of came under his own and, and became the superstar and EJ wasn't flourishing in that same way. I do think that there were some of those second thoughts like, hmm, maybe I could come back and be that, that junior star, maybe. And then I think when the the NBA, the, when the season was canceled and, and, you know, he had that final tip in at Florida, we didn't get to see him at the SEC tournament, didn't get to see him in the NCAA tournament. I do think there was a slight sense of, man, I could come back and and you know become that Nick Richards and really intr- improve my stock and and uh, become a, an NBA big next year, but I think after being you know so th- there was there was optimism around that time and then but in recent weeks we've said on the show that that it, things really started swinging back in the direction of of EJ wanting to go but understanding still that his draft stock was practically non-existent. I, I, I put it, I think the last time we brought we talked about NBA draft decisions, I put it at 50-50 knowing if it were up to him and if he was making the decision today, he'd be going to the NBA. But if by the time he gets these, you know, he gets his evaluations and realizes, okay, I am going undrafted. I'm going to have to carve out my own role as a two-way contract player or something of the sort. Uh, you know, I kind of thought he would eventually come to his senses and realize maybe this is not the best option for me. I'm going to be patient with it. So he finally puts his name in the draft, uh, David, and got a lot of backlash. I've, you know, obviously Kentucky fans were very frustrated. What were, you know, how do you think we got to this point with EJ? And uh, more importantly, do you think it was uh, the right decision or wrong decision for him? I, you could go both ways with with how really both questions is, is it did he make the right decision? Uh, how did we get to this? But I'm we've talked about this before, and and I, I know this we we've had we've been doing some interviews with a scout, a Cats Illustrator who who's been really really thorough, and we 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 posted the EJ Montgomery story Tuesday night because we knew he was going to make his decision Wednesday and, and wanted to kind of get in front of it. And, you know, we, my question has been, why has Kentucky over the past two or three years struck out with so many big men? We've discussed it here. And the question or an answer rather has been, well, you know, other programs sell it that, hey, Kelly Perry's just going to stick you down there where you're back to the bucket and not let you step out. And so, you know, that, that whatever feedback he's getting, I think part of it was, you know, number one, what's going to be your role next year at Kentucky? Uh, you know, number one, are you going to um, be back down there where you're back to the bucket? Are you going to step out? What's going to happen? And, and number two, uh, an individual that we spoke with said that the big thing that EJ needed to be looking at was, you know, can, can he just needs experience. Can he get multiple minutes on the floor, 30-plus, be the man? If Matt Harms comes in, you know, he, he could even go back to being the number two option in the post. So, you know, there was a lot of that to look at. I, I think in the NBA – you know, Travis brought up a, a great point about, you know, Kentucky's marketability, and that's where I agree with him. But I wonder how much it helps EJ in that situation because if he goes G League, and that's why I think it's going to happen, uh, you know, could he get a bigger contract? Could he end up get $250,000, $300,000 in G League because he's a, a Kentucky starter? 
you know, I, I, I think that's something you have to consider. I, I'd be very interested to see how much money he makes. And uh, the other thing is um, he's going to have to take a year or two to, to develop a position, improve his shot, get his three-point percentage up to a certain mark, get a face-up game, being able to step out on the floor. And, and you know, and that's what he's going to have to do. So, you know, eventually he could be an NBA prospect. John Calipari said that. He's got the body. He's got the athleticism. But I think he's got to develop a role, and he has got to become a specialist at that role and, and really become good at it, and, and that's going to take a little bit of time. Now, Travis, you were the first person to put out there. You know, there was in the midst of the the optimism that Emmanuel quickly was was thinking about it, and that EJ Montgomery was likely leaning toward coming back. You kind of dropped a bombshell that said. I'm here to tell you that the staff is not expecting any of the starting five to come back. And I think you kind of got a little bit of flack for that, but also it was kind of a realization like, holy crap, this could be a, a realistic thing, that this this could actually happen. What were your thoughts on this over the last couple weeks? And, and did you ever actually think that there was a chance EJ was coming back, especially this last week? I mean, I know I know we've been back and forth and, and you know, w- with our optimism and pessimism on, on what we thought about it. But really over this last week, when it kind of became apparent that a decision was coming, did you really think there was ever a chance that EJ was going to come back? Yeah, so like you said, I talked to somebody close to the program that said the staff is bracing for all five to leave. And right after I posted that, a couple days later, I talked to a couple different people, somebody who was close to EJ in high school, uh, knew his family well and stuff like that. And he, he said, like, it would be a disaster for them to, for him to, go to the NBA this year. And they, they said he needs to stay the course. And he said that he had talked to some people around Kentucky's program as well. And there was a little bit more optimism, but this was also right after Jerry Tipton's article came out with quotes from his dad, which were pretty negative in mm-hmm. terms of him coming back. I think that whenever, <clears throat> I think whenever people were being there was growing optimism, but I was never putting him in the returning category. Yeah, it was all at best fifty fifty, and I posted all, all up until he announced that I felt like he was going to leave. And I also posted that I think that it was like a terrible decision, but I don't know if he's ever going to be ready for the NBA because I just don't think he's got the makeup to be a NBA player other than maybe a two way con- one two way contract deal, and then he's out of the league or a G League guy with a couple games at the end of the season type of guy. But I don't think he's ever going to be in the actual NBA for a long period of time. I think that, like I've said on here before, he's 6'10", 200-something pounds, and has posted one double-double in two years, has scored six games in double figures, doesn't have one patented go-to move. Uh, He's got – everybody talks about how good-looking his mid-range jump shot is, but – Every time he shoots it, you just know it's going to clang off the rim in the backboard, like nine times out of ten. And everybody talks about how athletic he is. And I think that that's due to he's got above-average passing skills. He can pass out of a double team yeah, better than most bigs. But the thing is, he's not a player that's going to draw double teams in the NBA, so that one skill goes away. Um, he's below-average ball handler. And I, my thing is, I don't think he's very athletic. When you watch him move, he's so stiff. He's not really fluid. And – from the court decently, but not it doesn't stick out among amongst NBA bigs. It'd be the bottom 
percentile of athleticism among most NBA bigs. And I think the NBA spacing would help his game a little bit more. But like I said, I just I just never convinced he's going to be a true NBA guy. Well, we're in the, we're in that a uh, group message, and and the, what was the first the first message we got after the EJ decision went? Well, I, I think it was before the decision actually went public, but and, and leading up to that decision, the first the first message we got from one of those scouts, I would not even give him a two way. Like th- to say his stock is low right now would be an understatement. I mean, teams are just, I mean, even professional teams overseas don't have a lot of stock in them and, and aren't as willing to take a chance on them. I mean, it, this is a big risk for him. I mean, to, to put it as bluntly as possible, it's a big risk for him. I mean, we're all cheering him on, obviously, and, and want him to, to have success. But I just don't understand what the rush – I mean, unless unless he could talk to one of those G League teams and, and, and kind of come, come – up with a deal similar to what these Jalen Greens of the world are getting. I mean, that would that, I think that would kind of change the story with it. But to to go in with so little positivity surrounding his his NBA future, I just don't know how you make that decision at this point in time. Um, like I said, we're we're all cheering for him. I hope hope the best, but it, it's definitely a head scratcher. I'm gonna I'm I'm not gonna lie. It's it's one that I'm I'm really kind of having struggling to wrap my head around. I think if he does well, that it helps would help Kentucky. And here's why I say this. Um, I used to talk to an individual quite a bit who uh, was a member of a college staff and, and recruited against Kentucky a little bit. He kind of went into detail a little bit later on of um, how Kentucky gets negatively recruited against. And Kentucky's kind of in a tough spot. Now, it sounds crazy because you get all these great five-star players that they get every year, and, you know, Calipari's going to get four, five, six a year. But it's impossible for all of them to make it. Yeah. And the guys that don't, trust me, other schools who are going, going to negatively recruit against them are going to use an E.J. Montgomery if he doesn't pan out that, hey, look – you go to Kentucky, you know, they don't develop guys, which we know is not true. But anybody can can take a couple of guys and say, look at this guy, you know, look at Scal, look at Alex Poythers, look at, you know, and start start naming some players who who didn't make it. And, and I, I just hope that E.J. Montgomery doesn't get out to do that list. Yeah, uh, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see how it unfolds because, I mean – it, yeah, I, I definitely think there would be some negative recruiting going on if if it does not if it does not turn out well. That that in, in as of right now, it's not looking all that great. Um, moving on to a potential replacement for him would be uh, Purdue graduate transfer Matt Harms. We've talked about him on the show over the last couple shows, actually. And uh, there's some, there's a little bit of optimism going into into this weekend in particular about Harms. And I know there have been a couple, you know, anonymous fan accounts and all that that are kind of hyping up this this commitment, you know, as early as Friday. Um, Travis, before we get into the, the who, what, when, where, that kind of thing, do you think a commitment is possible this weekend? I think the timing would line up because you know how Cal Perry's done stuff ever since he's been here. If you even read just tea leaves, you can pretty much tell how things are going to go. And I think that I think that UK likes to space out positive and negative news. Mm-hmm. And 
after you have neg- a string of negative news this past week with player decisions, then you get a 7-3 guy like that to uh, that's a season veteran in, a, in the Big Ten Conference to make up for the losses. I think that Cal Perry always wants the good news last, so you're riding a high, and that would make perfect sense. I think that UK could add a dude, maybe possibly uh, a straight transfer dude on down the line as well. Yeah, and, and I think I said this on last week's show that the staff was feeling at the time of Davion Mintz's commitment, uh, the day before you know that all that chaos, and, and you know we recorded the podcast the night before leading up to it. Um, the staff thought that they had their two guys. They thought Davion Mintz is on board; he's coming. Um, but you know we're still on the fence. We're, we think we're we're starting to feel really optimistic about Matt Harms, but we still got to close. You know we still got to seal the deal. But the optimism was definitely there. And then I think the next two days. So I think that commitment happened on Friday. So we talked to on we recorded on Thursday evening, and I believe as of like Friday evening going into Saturday, uh, there was some there was some buzz that Kentucky was going to push for a commitment by this weekend and that, that, that it was it was legit. And so that kind of goes in line with the rumblings that, that I had heard going into the weekend last week. So I mean, a commitment wouldn't make complete sense. I mean, it's it's I think the staff kind of penciled him in as a, as the perfect complement to uh, what they have in the front court already with Lance Ware and Isaiah Jackson and Keon Brooks running the four. I think I think they see him uh, as as a great fit in the, in that system, and and it'd be one heck of a way to close out the close out the roster, David. We talked yesterday about some things. You can, you know, withhold stuff. You can say say whatever you want about it. But you've been learning a lot more about Matt Harms over the last week or so, in in, in particular. Um, you, you talked a little about the X and O's last week, but you know, the more you know now, what do you think a commitment from Matt Harms would bring to Kentucky, and what do you think about the fit in Lexington? Well, he he just has to be able to handle what comes with Kentucky. And, 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 you know, there's probably a little bit of concern about that. And I'm going to leave it at this for now. He is a, he is a shy, reserved individual, very intelligent. Uh, thought is that he'll go into law school after he, he gets done. Uh, and there also was the thought that he might even have went on to Europe and played uh, that the NBA might not have even been, in, you know, something that he was worried about. That if COVID nineteen hadn't struck, he would have graduated from Purdue uh, and went on and 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 played in Europe. Uh, the thing is, right now, I, I think a lot of the uh, just positivity is coming out from Kentucky side and, and those who talk to boosters and those who talk to people around the program. Uh, you guys do a little bit more of that. Now, I try to work uh, contacts other places and the national guys. And I know this, Corey and Evans and Eric Bossy really, they're kind of like, I don't know really kind of what's going on with him. We haven't heard much this week. Uh, I have, I spoke to another two or three individuals yesterday. One was actually another coach who's involved in this recruitment. And he told me that he says I don't know if uh, if if Harms himself knows what he wants to do at this point. And I and um, you know last week he was answering all my texts and he's kind of gone quiet this week. And his words to me were, "Yeah, you know, he's a really a private person," which backs up what the other individual had told me. Uh, but I, I think a lot of times when 
they get quiet, that means they're really working on making the decision and, and they're going ahead with things. I, I, I've just always noticed when, when individuals, you know, clam up, you don't hear, they go dark, you don't hear anything from them, that announcement's not far off. And if you look at most of these guys who are in the grad transfer situation uh, or, or just the transfer situation in general, They've not been stringing these things out. They've named when they've named schools, they've made their move in a week. Some of them have named schools, eight to ten schools, and came out the next day and, and made a commitment. So uh, that was the whole thing to me, just putting everything together and looking at how everything else has gone and what Kentucky coaches thought at the time. That I, I felt like you know he he made cut that list late last week, and I felt like. That he would, uh, that meant he would make a decision within seven to ten days at the most. Well, I, I think it was pretty telling. He did that interview with Corey Evans, I believe, uh, where he where he came out and said, I, you know, I want to be patient and, and kind of be thorough about this decision, but I'm not going to drag it out forever. That was that was a key a key for me. Though this isn't going to be a decision that drags on several several weeks. It's going to be a a a pretty punctual. I'm going to approach this i'm going to figure out you know the pros and cons of each school and i'm going to make a decision and, and based on what what you told me yesterday and, and what you've just said um that it you know kind of how he's gone dark a little bit and you know that he's kind of collecting his thoughts and, and you know weighing weighing his options that i, I you know I, I think a decision is imminent here's an interesting thing with him and he's totally different than anybody else really that we're going to cover and, and that is he has no inner circle, no posse. We, we don't even know. And, and this is what an individual uh, around Purdue told me yesterday. And, and I've told you this. He had, I've known him for years. He has no wax to grind, no sour grapes whatsoever. He said, I don't even know if he has representation. And I, and I called to ask him, I said, are you hearing anything on him? And he says, man, nobody even knows where he's at. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a, he, he's, a, he's a kid. He's European. He's not from here. He doesn't have family here. So, you know, with COVID-19, he's off campus. Uh, he doesn't – we don't know that he has – like I said, it's a, a, you wouldn't call it an agent, but somebody that's kind of steering the process and sitting down and talking to him. And, uh, you know, he's got a girlfriend, I think, somewhere around West Lafayette. That may be where he's at. But really, nobody knows where he's at right now or – if he's got anybody, you know, in his ear speaking to him, and I, I, from everything I hear, I tend to think, you know, it, it's it's he's the decision's all his. Yeah, which is I think that's a good thing because is is from what I know, the optimism is still there on Kentucky's side of things, and based on their recent conversations with him, and and based on what you said, you know, what you talked to, you know, the quotes that you had with him, and 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 how optimistic he was on that side of things, you think you think it's a perfect fit. If you're looking for a, an instant impact play, you know, a place where you can come in and and start right away. You know, he said he wants to show his NBA skill set. I mean, there is literally a a perfect role for him in Lexington for everything that he's looking for. And it's just about does he, you know, does does is he ready to take that next step up into the spotlight? And I think you know, I think you bring up a lot of good points, and it'll be interesting. I I do think that that the staff thinks he's a perfect fit on on the roster, and I would I don't want to say I would be shocked if he doesn't end up being a Wildcat, but 
the, it is 100% trending trending that direction that, that he's going to end up at Kentucky. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a decision does come this weekend. I think it would be a great fit. And um, it, Kentucky fans should 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 be pretty excited about about the, the possibility of him potentially coming. Um, another guy that nobody really had any idea was even a possibility came out on, on – on Wednesday afternoon, uh, Jacob Toppin, brother of Obi Toppin, National Player of the Year at Dayton this past year, announced that he was cutting his list to three and and Oregon, Iowa State, and Kentucky. Nobody had any idea that Kentucky was even a realistic possibility. Um, you know, no interest, no talk. He didn't come out in an interview and say uh, Kentucky had reached out. None of that. So that that kind of came out of left field. Travis, what do you think about the possibility of adding Obi Toppin's brother? And do you think it'd be a, a good decision on Kentucky's part to bring him in? It's a it's a low risk, high reward movement. If you ask me, I think that. He's a guy that's not going to scare away anybody, but he's got a lot of upside. Uh, you can only hope that he has development like his brother had. But I, I think that a lot of people were caught off guard by that top three. I had somebody random message me a couple of days before and was like, say something about Jacob Toppin, uh, keep an eye on him. And I was like, okay. Didn't really, he didn't really say anything much else about it. And then, Next thing, like a day or two later, UK's in his top three. I'm like, well, holy crap. Um, <laughs> all right, I need to. This guy, <laughs> this guy is connected. But I, it's just so out. I hadn't heard anything about it. But the, I think that, especially if, if the one time transfer rule isn't passed this year, it's a guy that you can come in retro. Reminds me of the, what's the guy's name? Jordan Brown that UK tried to yes. bring in. The, yeah, the airs, uh, um, you, uh, Shoot, I'm I'm drawing. He ended up at Nevada, um, but he transferred from Air or transferred from Nevada to Arizona. I think that's how it unfolded. Whatever, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's. Yeah. Then, I think this is the same type of move where it's a guy that you can come in and develop for a couple of years. I say he'll stay a couple of years, but I mean, I've, there's been a bunch of guys leave this year that I was <laughs> thought were going to stay a couple of years. But this is a guy that should stay a couple of years that could develop and. Here in a couple of years, you can fall back on a guy like this whenever, let's say, the top guys in the high school are able to go to the NBA or all the guys are going to the G League here in a couple of years. Yeah. This is a guy that you can fall back on that you already have in your system. You don't have to recruit that's been developing underneath Cal Perry and uh, Kenny Payne for a couple of seasons. Yeah, the timing on it is 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 perfect. I mean, with the NBA rule expected to pass after next see after I guess in two seasons from now for the 2022 class. Um, I mean, you'd get him to redshirt this year, and then you know one one year to get his legs under him at at this level, and then as a junior potentially kind of take off uh, when when Kentucky could potentially need a need a guy like that. And it's just very the, really interesting to see how we even got to the point where. It wasn't even a, you know, most guys come out with a, oh, 36,000 teams have reached out to me, ranging from Duke to Nevada West Coast Tech. You see those type of interviews all the time, and then they end up cutting their list and kind of the traditional Matt Harms situation like we saw with, with him talking about how many teams have reached out to him and then cutting his list eventually after that. This was just a, hey, this is my final list. I'm going I'm going to decide between three teams. Makes me think that 
he is way further along on this decision than most people get. And there have yeah. been rumblings that that he's going to commit this weekend as well. So could Kentucky potentially add two guys by the end of this weekend? It could be possible. Uh, David, what do you know about about Jacob Toppin? I know you were trying to reach, you know, work the phones a little bit yesterday and figure out who the heck this kid is and, and what we need to know about him. What did you learn? Well, just did some research, and first thing I did is watch all the film I could get, and uh, some of it was game film, and I noticed that uh, rival announcers were listing him at 6'9", and uh, his body looked totally different than what I expected. I I didn't know what – I had no clue what to expect. The first thing I, I did, you know, he, here he comes down the court. And I look at him. And I'm like, geez, that's him. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, I did not expect that kind of body on a freshman. And you could, he, he's long. He's, he looks good up in his shoulders. Uh, already got a little bit of muscular content. So I look at him and it's like, man, you know, he, if he could get, and I've already heard it. A red shirt, you know, might be a best option because this is all about development. Uh, so you, you're talking about three to four more years in a college weight program, training table, skill development with the coaches, and you know he could he could really take off athletically. You know, he has some potential. I mean, I, I and body. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And if you look at his list, it's not like it's. Kentucky, Liberty, and and Appalachian State. Right. You know, it, it's Oregon and Iowa State. So, you know, that's pretty impressive right there. I mean, you, you take a look at a lot of guys uh, out right now on the transfer list. They don't have anything that, that probably are more hyped. They don't have a list close to that. Um, now, as far as what I've tried to find out from him, here's the interesting thing. He is totally – uh, an under the radar guy because I've reached out to every high school and AAU coach that I know in New York. He's from Brooklyn, uh, and they're like, we don't know who he is. And and <laughs> another coach told me, so I know a little bit about him. I said, well, who did he play AAU ball with? And he said, no idea. Comma late bloomer. <laughs> and so so you know he he totally went under the radar. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be interesting, you know, and Talapari's had, I look at three things here. Number one, I'm curious on this list, some of the guys that weren't as well known when he's went this transfer route the last couple of years, uh, it, Calipari, when he brought in Sustina, he knew the coach at Bucknell. They were from Bowman, Pennsylvania. They've, they've had a long history together. And basically, the coach from Bucknell says, hey, I've got a guy here you need to take. And then we found out with Davion last week that um, Joel Justice, when he was in Charlotte, used to coach against uh, uh, Davion's high school coach. And, and Davion's from Charlotte. So there's that familiarity so I, I'm curious if there's some kind of familiarity with him and coaching staff. Number one, and number two, I uh, looks like you know you a guy can come in, he can practice every day, they can have enough numbers to practice. And trust me, having ten quality guys out there to go up and down every day is a big issue 
And I, I think they saw some problems with that last year. You know, there was a talk about that. Cal Perry was like, look, we don't even have enough guys to practice. So he's bringing in baseball players. So I, I, I think that's an issue that they can have 10 solid guys to practice with. And, you know, the thing they sell you about Kentucky is you can have uh, – you can get better every day because you're going up against uh, uh, maybe a Matt Harms or somebody like that every day. But I, I think he's more in the role what I've been – kind of told if he comes in you know you you've got somebody like him and Cameron Fletcher going against each other here in the future and, and it's going to be kind of a one-on-one battle to see who wins that you know who gets the playing time between those two uh so that's one other thing to to kind of keep in mind and uh, uh it's interesting too that he's Calipari has kind of, of, of gone under the radar under some of these guys. You know, I know Davion's a grad transfer, but you look here and then uh, uh, you look at Dante, Allen, and, and some of these guys, that, that guys who are, are going to be here in the long run and, and develop, hopefully. I saw a uh, – I, I don't know if it was on Twitter or somewhat, somewhere, but they said uh, Calipari, Calipari got drunk one night and was looking through the transfer portal and saw, saw – Topin and thought it was Obi and and reached out and offered a scholarship and ended up I don't it it was funny in my head I promise it was funnier. Uh, Were you drunk when you were reading it? I, I think I might have been. I I might have just came up with that own story in my head. <laughs> but anyway, no, I, I saw somewhere and then like looking at Kentucky's roster next year, it's, it's going to be like when they announce the players, it's going to be like Obi Toppin's brother. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think. I think it's a. I, I called both of you guys, and we when we were talking about it yesterday. I think it's one heck of a fit for Kentucky. I think it's exactly what this roster needed, and I think it's exactly what Kentucky fans want. I mean, you got you know Kentucky fans always say, "Man, all these guys come in and and, and leave after one or two years. You know, they're not ready for the draft. They're you know they they only come here to leave and and all that. And and, and I get I get some of those frustrations, but this is a guy that he was a former three star prospect. He is a high, high, high potential type guy. He's a high flyer. Um, I mean, he's Obi Toppin's brother. That's exactly how Obi Toppin became Obi Toppin. Was a you know kind of came in, had to be groomed, and and then ended up being a national player of the year player. Um, that is who this kid is. The expectations are low for at least you know at this level right now because he's just so raw and such a such a, a long-term prospect that he knows that he's not a one and done. He knows he's not going to be a, a you know a, even a two-year player likely that this is going to be a process um, that that no matter where he goes if he does end up at Kentucky that it's it's going to be a process and that's one thing that that I kind of keep going back to and I think it's I think it'd be an awesome awesome addition. In fact, he averaged 5.9 points and 3.9 rebounds in 30 games last year and his biggest performance came against you know high quality opponents. I mean, he finished with double figures against LSU. He had ten against LSU, eleven against Alabama, and twelve against Richmond, who was going to make the NCAA tournament this past year. So he knows how to kind of put it together, and he has thrived on the on the big stage against you know high quality opponents. He you know you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. He's a long term kid, but can come in and give you some spot minutes and and, and spot production if you need it. I think that's exactly you know, what Kentucky fans want. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, let me add this. We, we you know we have spoken to a lot about how and, and the questions been out there when 2022 rolls around and one and done's gone. 
how would John Calipari adjust his recruitment? Well, you're obviously going to have to have more long-term guys. We've just said it, 2022's here, it's here early with a G League. So, you know, this this may be kind of a, you know, forewarning of, of maybe how he's going to recruit more transfers, more under-the-radar guys, a red shirt, you know, and how some of those guys are out. Yeah, I think it's pretty telling. I, I and I just like the fact that he's he's wanting to fill the roster. Kentucky fans have begged over and over again. You have thirteen roster spots. You have thirteen scholarships. Why not use them? You, Calipari's like, all right, you guys you guys want this. Why not add a you know a, a potentially long term high potential type guy who could be a difference maker several years down the road? Why not? So, yeah, I, th- I think it would be an awesome fit. Um, don't look at the immediate production and think he's going to be a, uh, an immediate impact guy. Can, I know there were some, pe- some people in the comment section on, on the KSR post about it saying, oh, Kentucky's scraping the bottom of the barrel, you know, being sarcastic about it. It's like, dude, understand what this kid is. Kentucky- Calipari's not asking him to come in and be an you know, a 20 and 10 type guy from day one. Let him develop. That's what Kentucky fans want. They want long-term guys, people that can that that will stay around longer than one or two years. This is that this is exactly who that type of kid is. I think another thing is that to to keep in mind is that there are a lot of rumblings over the last several days in particular that this this immediate transfer rule is going to pass this year as opposed to uh, you know John Rothstein's point uh, report came out I think last week where he said that the that it was going to pass but it would be for the 2021-2022 season as opposed to this coming season and i think all the recent speculation and people behind the scenes are operating under the assumption that this is 100% happening this season um, that the NCAA is going to i believe talk about it on April 24th vote on it on May 20th and that it's going to be it's going to be done this year so could it could he, you know topin use a redshirt year possibly but he could also kind of do what you know Dante Allen did this year I know he actually did redshirt but he could have come in on several different occasions had he been healthy enough and and kind of just provided spot minutes if if Calipari wants to redshirt him by all means go for it but but he could be a type of guy that if if for whatever reason he's nece- you know he's needed in the lineup or you know foul trouble or he just wants to he's you know impressing in practice and wants to get in the games who knows it it, it allows that flexibility uh, if he does want to get in so yeah that that'd be definitely be something to watch out for as far as the the rest of the recruiting world is is concerned and, and kind of future rosters uh Kentucky's conducting these virtual visits with uh, these upcoming prospects. He conducted one with Paolo Banchero yesterday, and today he's he's conducting one with Kennedy Chandler. Um, real quick, before we even get into you know the latest with Paolo, the latest with you know the other recruits, what do you think of this idea that Calipari is already you know conducting these these visits? And and if you were a recruit, what would you you know what would you take out of a virtual visit? Could you commit to a school without being there in person? Or would you? Do you think you'd be comfortable enough with with a virtual visit, Travis? I feel like I'd want to be there in person, but right now you just got to do what's give. You just got to take the avenues that are given to you, and it's like Paulo uh, Bancaro has had four virtual visits in the in the past two days, three mm-hmm. days, and Kenji Chandler same way. He's had a bunch. He's virtually visiting Kentucky today. Paulo virtually visited Kentucky yesterday. I want to know what these virtual visits look like yeah like a tour is it a um is it just like them pretty much on a zoom meeting with uh all the coaching staff or 
what is it? But I want to get some clarification on that because, I mean, right now you kind of have to go off that. I feel bad for the football and basketball players that have yet to sign for 2020 that were planning on taking visits. Yeah. And now they're having to go off of virtual visits. I feel I feel kind of bad for them, but that's the climate we're in right now. David, you're a you're a well. I mean, you already said that you're you're a potential you're you're the mystery grad transfer big man option. You are narrowing down your options. What are you looking for on a virtual visit to uh, to sway your services? Well, let me tell you one place that I can actually help to show here. Uh, <laughs> Davion took a virtual visit to Kentucky. He kind of went through with me what it is and. Also working with Vanderbilt and, and Minnesota uh, sites, they've had a ton of guys do these virtual visits. They're, they're, I mean, Minnesota's gotten so heavily into the transfer market that they're, they're doing multiple visits every day of these and virtual visits. And I, I've been able to talk to recruits and find out what goes on. You know, they actually uh, – Davion told me, you know, there were slideshows that he got, uh, you know, uh, I guess PowerPoint slideshows that they did through Zoom. They uh, did over, I guess, FaceTime. And it, players are really doing a research right now, too, especially transfers in 2020 guys. Uh, a lot, they're, they're researching. They've got to go in and find out about the schools. They're talking to people. So they're doing a lot more on their own. But there's also um, – You'll, you'll have coaches going around, especially with these transfers, going around on golf carts and FaceTiming, showing the campus, you know, golf, on the golf cart. So there's a lot of that going on. I don't know that Kentucky is, but, you know, I, I know uh, there's a lot of coaches doing that. So th that's kind of what's going on with, with, with the virtual visits. Uh, as far as these 2021 guys go – they, they've not got to take a, official visits to Kentucky yet, so I don't know if they know the campus as well. You know, but they've been talking to the coaches. You take Kennedy, Chandler, and Piala, they, they've they've been face-to-face -face with Calipari probably half a dozen times apiece, you know, with in-homes and, and, and things like that. You know, Kennedy took an unofficial. So uh, I think they've already kind of got an idea, but it may also – I know like Andy Borman of, of the New York Koreans who is uh, Kaminga's AAU coach, you know, when I talked to him, he was like, look, you said you can't even talk about reclassification right now because, you know, they can't even take ACTs and SATs in the spring. All that's canceled. And I think another thing is, too, they don't have as good of an idea about the school as they, they would have. So, you know, if I'm 2021, I kind of wait things out and and uh, let this thing play through, and then when I can get out and visit the campus, take a visual visit and see it, you know, uh, firsthand. Now, regarding something I just, go for it. Something I, I just had a funny daydream thinking about something is, could you imagine if Bobby Knight was still a coach, and he <laughs> was throwing a temper tantrum due to technical difficulties over the Zoom meeting? How many recruits you would miss out on? <laughs> That'd be good. That's good. That 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 is that's very interesting. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, he did one time an interview. Somebody asked him about his temper, and he said, "Well, look," he said, "you you got some flunky running around the newsroom, but you get mad, take it out on, and you're like, ah, this blankety blank typewriter, and you smack it in the floor." And <laughs> so I, I guess that's what you see from it. <laughs> what you see is what you get with the, with the legend, um, Paolo. 
the, things kind of went quiet with him for a while. The, you know, his recruitment was really heating up. People were talking about him potentially being a reclass guy, and then he kind of shut down those rumors, said, I, I promise you I am not reclassifying to 2020. Leave me alone. <laughs> like, fans are just constantly hounding him about, about reclassing. Um, with the latest with his recruitment, Travis, what, what do you know about, about who the leaders are with him and, and kind of wh- where do you if, – if he were to make a prediction today, if you were to make a prediction today, where, where do you think he'd land? You said for Paulo? Paulo. I think that as of today, really, it's up in the air. I think UK's still in a fantastic spot. He's another guy that's going to have pro money on the table next year for sure. And I think that Tennessee's put themselves in a good position. I think it's going to be down to Tennessee, Gonzaga, and the Blue Bloods. Uh, it'll be like Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke. I think it'll be those five in the G League. I think Kentucky's still in a good position. Uh, they were the leader a while back, and I know Tennessee's made up ground. Kim English is doing a fantastic job at Tennessee, recruiting him and Kennedy Chandler. And I think that this one's going to be really interesting to watch moving forward. I still th- I'd give UK a slight advantage, but now you have the G League uh, c- scenario in there as well, and it's just more difficult to read. Uh, David, do you have any insight on on Paolo's recruitment? I just hope it's not Tennessee. <laughs> and <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, one reason he said, well, Corey Evans, is, and I've stuck with it. He said all along, you know, he's as tight with him as anybody. And, and he said all along that, you know, he, he was not going 2020 and he, he's actually doubled down and stuck to his guns. Uh, the, the only thing when Piano came out and, and he said himself, Hey, I'm staying 2021. This is why. And he talked about, you know, wanting to spend that senior season in high school next year with his team. There's so many question marks um, now about, you know, how, how the schools are going to be next year, how the season's going to be. So this is throwing everything out of Kilder. And I, I just wonder how many players in general, not just talking about him, but in general are out there and they're saying, hey, there's so much uncertainty. Why not go ahead and go on to college and get this out of the way? So I know, like we said, you know, talking about 2021 guys in class is probably too soon. I wonder how many of them are, are just thinking, hey, I don't even know what's going to happen to high school next year. Hey, guys, listen to this. This is the G League is coming hard. Uh, Chris Haynes from Yahoo Sports said that the G League will also provide Jalen Green with a full ride college scholarship. I'm, quote, I'm still going to be able to go back to college and finish school. So it's, not really that I'm missing out on college because I can go back and finish whatever I need to. I'm sure he'll take him up on that. Oh, do you see yeah, that? He's not going to. He's not going to need that. But then at the same, like they're all going to be on this. Like we mentioned before, they're all going to be on the same team. Uh, Woj tweeted a minute ago said, um, "Jalen Green is making the leap to a reshaped NBA professional pathway program, a G League initiative that uh that'll pay." Elite prospects, 500K plus, and provide a one-year developmental program outside of minor league's traditional team structure. There will be a story soon. Green's committing to become part of a year-long developmental program for G League oversight that will include pro coaching, top prospects, and veteran players. It will combine training and exhibition game compensation or competitions against the likes of G League teams, uh, national teams, and NBA academies. That's one hell of a deal. 
man. It's somebody on there's people on Twitter calling it a professional red shirt, which is essentially what that is. Guys, it's coming, and like I said, AAU coaches have been uh, really afraid that for years that the NBA is is they're coming younger and younger. You well, know, they're, they're, like, they're I posted to, on Cass, like I posted on Cats Illustrated last week, there's next year or the year after their Nike is developing a pretty much a small group of like 24, 25 schools, uh, 20, 25 schools. Um, they're all going to be in a league and it's just the shoe guys are going to be able to get their hands on them much earlier than they ever have been able to before. Well, gonna, and then it's going to take away from like, you're not going to see player, uh, like top, there will no longer be four or five star players playing at places like, uh, Oldham County High School or Eastern High School in Kentucky, they're all – if you're worth a crap, you're going to transfer to these schools and be like – Well, and, and one thing, too, you know, we talked about, you know, like, we, you know, the champs last June getting into the top 100, and and that was really all that they were, were concerned about. Of, of, they, you know, they talked about, well, we're going to put it back into the high school coach's hands in June and take away from the AAU <laughs> a little bit, but we're going to get the top 100 kids. Which which told me then that's all. It, it's a money grab by the NBA. That's all they were concerned about. But I was also told by an, an EYBL director that this is coming to Travis. That there is going to be one super uh, AAAU league, probably done by the NBA, uh, where they're probably going to top take the top thirty five or forty programs. And who knows, they may take 35 or 40 uh, and, and make their own programs uh, and get these other ones out of the way. Uh, but that's what the AAU is going to be, and then they'll let everybody else play local. But you're going to probably have uh, about three dozen elite AAU programs are going to play on one circuit being run by the NBA. So that that's in the works, too. Man, did you guys see the uh, the – Latest names that that Jonathan Gavoni threw out were Kai Soto joining uh, joining Jalen Green's team with uh, Curry Maine and McCur Maker, who we already talked about. But well, man, all I know is that team's gonna be up and down, and <laughs> Kai Soto is not gonna be able to get the half court in town. Good old Kai Soto. See all the fans that were wondering what the latest was with Kai Soto. There you go. Uh, real quick, I want to touch on something real quick about um, Paolo that I talked to with the, somebody close to Kentucky about kind of what his fit would be and, and what their pitch is to him lately. They said, uh, in, in quote, he would have started on the team this past year. They the, the, the Kentucky coaching staff has kind of zeroed in on him as the star of the front court whenever the heck he wants to come. They are all in on him. Uh, Tony Barbie has taken over that recruitment, and and as far as I know, it's things are going really well. Um, so, I mean, I, I think they're a little bit in the dark. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why this this virtual visit happened yesterday. Just kind of keep, you know, keep get updated and see where where things are. I think there's still still a, a slight optimism within the program that they could ultimately land him. But I do think, you know, I I kind of had this second thought, like, man, I wonder if UK kind of pitched to him about taking over the four next year at Kentucky saying, you know, EJ and Nick are gone. You could run the four, you know, run the front court with, with, uh, you know, Matt Harms next year, you know, your, your true, your true four position as you get ready for the NBA. I just don't know if that's a route that he's wanting to take right now. And, uh, I mean, it'd be interesting, very interesting. I'm, I'm, 
I'm rooting for uh, him to to you know Kentucky to to finish the deal with him because he'd be a, a huge get. They are very very optimistic about him. Think that he's a superstar in the making. So the, that's definitely one thing to watch. Kennedy Chandler also got a virtual visit today. We've kind of updated his recruitment a bunch in the past. Uh, Travis, is there any is there any update with him that that you think fans need to know about? Uh, nothing significant. No, still in a holding pattern with him. Um, Travis or David, anything on on your end about Kennedy? The only thing I've always said, you know, a lot of people have said, well, Kentucky doesn't doesn't feel like they've got a shot with him, or, or people have said they don't feel like Kentucky has a shot with him. I, I've just always felt like John Calipari's putting a lot of time in him for somebody that he can't get. Yeah. Um, if that's the case, I mean, he he offers him one day last you know last winter, and he goes to see him two or three times within the next month. And, and, and he's really putting in the time with him. So I, I'm, I'm not going to count him out. Uh, you know, the Travis has talked about him and Banchero playing together a lot and that week between them. So, you know, if, if you're going to – I don't think it's a mistake either that Banchero and Chandler are both doing it today because, you know, they, you know the talk is they're tied together. And I think it would be very smart on Kentucky's part to tie in a Jaden Hardy virtual visit as well, considering uh, they have all three talked about playing together, uh, Jaden Hardy, Paolo Banchero, and and Kennedy Chandler, which would be one heck of a trio for the class of 2021. Okay, we'll end the show here about uh, Sky Clark. Big news about him. Travis, I'm going to give you props here. You've you know This has been something that we have hinted on about on the show about 35,000 times about – Kentucky's in great position with Sky Clark. Things are going to happen in, in the very near future uh, that would even help Kentucky's chances even more. And that news finally came out uh, over the last week. Uh, Travis, what, what is that news? Yeah, so he, is trans- or he, is, he and his family are moving from Los Angeles to Brentwood, Tennessee, and he will be attending Brentwood Academy next year along with two of his siblings. They're also going to be on the team's easy. He has a offer from Vanderbilt. Uh, and so that's the guy that David Sisk is going to be able to cover as well as Sky for Kentucky. And then that's really close driving distance to David Sisk down there. And then it's right, for those that don't know, Brentwood's right outside of Nashville. It's technically the Nashville area. Brentwood's right south. There. Brentwood's just south, on right on I-65. And just, just, yeah. just a, a, one of the top places in the country to live, really. And UK has a lot of fans down there in the Nashville area. And this is a guy that UK fans should feel strongly about and uh, fantastic family, fantastic kid. Go show him support next year. Um, it's going to be a guy that'll be in Kentucky's own backyard. That be an exciting player to watch. And I posted something the other day on cats. will that him. I think that UK likes him and Jaden Bradley together. And I think that he'll, uh, he'd, Scott Clark, back back a couple months ago, Jack and I went and met with him and his family for dinner one night. And he got on Cats Illustrated and was answering questions on my account for the fan, for the readers on there. And the first player that he said he wants to team up with in college, the first player on his list was Jaden Bradley. So if they're interested in it and Kentucky's interested in it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. They're both top 15 guards. Yeah, so the, so that Cats Illustrated thing happened, what, the, that dinner, what, when was that? Two months ago? Month uh, and a half, whenever. Yeah, it was, it was whenever he visited, uh, it was whenever he visited 
Uh, Kentucky. Yeah, time time is kind of irrelevant to me. I have no idea mm-hmm. what day of the week it is, even. So it was at some point in in the past. I have no idea. Um, but that happened around there. And when I talked to that that same conversation with with you know the people on UK side, they brought up the fact that Jaden Bradley and, and Sky Clark were interested in playing together. And that, that was something that they were mon- monitoring and, and uh, you know, when when they evaluate the recruiting process. And, and that, that's going to be something that, that definitely factors in as well. I, I feel pretty strongly that, that Kentucky uh, Kentucky's in good shape with both of them right now. Um, with that, we can, we can end it there. It's a fun show. A lot of crazy stuff going on. The G League is taking over the world, and we are living in it. Uh, Travis, where can fans find your work? You can find my work on Cats Illustrated alongside David Sisk. We are currently doing a two-month, 60-day free trial over there with promo code CAT60. Uh, if you have any questions about signing up, let me know. We've had a bunch and bunch, a bunch new subscribers over the last couple weeks. But now a lot of, turned out a lot of football and basketball content over there. A uh, great team. And you can find me on Twitter at TravGraph underscore Rivals. And you can listen to my other podcast, CatSam Podcast, on every podcast platform. And David? Uh, along with Travis at uh, CatsIllustrated.com and uh, Coach David Sisk on Twitter. Uh, getting ready to put up some more uh, scouting reports, professional type scouting reports on what the, the organizations are looking at. Going to do it with Nick Richards and Tyrese Max. He will have a phone call here shortly. And hopefully we might be able to do uh, some reports on some new Wildcats here by, before we meet again. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll have a, a surprise surprise podcast ready to go when those po- when when those commitments come around. Uh, you can find my work at KentuckySportsRadio.com, uh, on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR via email jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. And with that, as Travis hinted at the beginning of the show, we will be back next week for another jam packed sources say podcast, and we will see you then. Yeah,